Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for Season 2, Episode 2 of Wire in the Blood, titled... Dark, the Darkness of Light. Ah, yes. The Joan of Arc episode. <laughs> oh, spoiler alert! Oh, I mean, hopefully people have seen it by now. <laughs> oh, God. Alright, so let's get right into it. This one is... Whew, it's a weird one. Yeah, it's weird and it's not kind of normal. Nope. I have only one sort of psychological complaint that's near the end. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was very, very strange because it's not clear. Yeah. Always... Uh, the delusionary, the way they try to mix the past and the present and the delusionary stuff. Yeah. Like some of it is like her delusions don't make a lot of sense. I think that's frequently true in the episode. Like they're very bizarre. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, but I mean, the show opens, uh, you know, very simply enough with a woman being chased through the woods. And then we see that that woman gets stabbed to death. And then we fast forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we fast forward to now it's the future. And the uh, 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 there's a, a body being found outside of an inn. Yeah. Yeah. They're digging to expand the inn. Yep. Of course, as always in, particularly in Europe, more so than in North America, yeah. <laughs> although th- this will be happening more and more in the States, um, oh, yeah. some in Canada, but um, they're digging up to expand. And, and they, they find a dead body. A dead body, a skeleton, right? Mm-hmm. So they call the coroner in their forensic coroner, and he says, ah, this is old. Yeah, because the question how- always become: is this a crime scene or is this an old burial site? Yeah, because uh, a guy, you know, a guy excavating sure as hell can't tell the difference. Well, no. Like he's just going at it with a backhoe. He doesn't know how old a skeleton is. No, and and as he said, but it was strange because the earth inside is heavily compacted. The earth outside wasn't. As if it had just been reburied. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Kevin says, whoa, doctor, wait. We We got two more bodies down here. Well, they found one skeleton, then they found a second one yeah. underneath. Exactly. Uh, no, no, it's two more dead bodies underneath. Yeah. 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 You said they found one skeleton, they found another one underneath. But no, they found one skeleton, then they found two more skeletons underneath. Never mind. <laughs> I, yes, never mind. I don't think the way I said it would have confused. But right. that's okay. They find two skeletons underneath the old one, and yep. they are definitely new. Yep. And... um. So, and the strange part about them is that, well, I don't know if they know this yet, but they're they're buried facing north. Uh, no, Tony figures that out a little later on. A little later on, they, they yeah. look at it. But they, uh, Tony, obviously, three bodies, one super old and two super new, all in one corpse. Obviously, you're going to have to bring Tony in on this one. That's yeah. just common sense. Yeah. And in a very weird scene... And this is just a cop who's just bad at his job. A woman walks up and asks how many bodies are in the hole. Yeah. 
and the guy doesn't stop her and be no, like, I... yeah, yeah, that's the kind of question. Like when people start asking detailed questions about the investigation, that's when you say, hey, maybe this person has some information or knows about it or is, say, the killer. Particularly since we've seen her walking through the bush. Yep. Before this, before she walks past the the site. Yeah, we've already seen this character walking through the exact place where the the woman being chased at the opening happens. Yeah, and she she takes a rubbing. Yep, she uh, takes a rubbing from something off of a tree. Yeah, that looks like sort of like it looks like a medieval rubbing yep. of some sort on the tree. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So then she goes walking by, and then you see her in her hotel room. Yep. And, um, you, you know, and she's got these clippings of somebody called Kelly Osborne and, and stuff. And it, I mean, the initial reaction is, well, is, is she related to them? Yeah. And, uh, then you see her husband trying to get a hold of her as she's walking out of her room. Mm-hmm. Right. Because he's a little concerned. Yeah. Cause she's, she has been out of touch. Yeah. Completely. And, you know, and you see her going and meeting a priest and then getting, but it seems that she's kind of angry after she's had this conversation conversation with this particular priest. Yep. And you see the priest and it's strange. It's right, this particular priest. This is, this is very in- weird vibes all around. Yeah. Weird vibes all around, but it's also important because... This particular priest talking to this particular woman leads to the viewer's confusion later on. Yes. Okay. I mean, they have an explanation. Yeah. But it's not good enough. <laughs> as far as I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. And I mean, I was the first yeah. time I watched it, I was confused. And even this time, I was a little confused. But we'll explain it later. As we go along. As we go, we'll explain what's going on. But yes. So they've got these bodies. Yeah. Two two recent burials underneath a probably 500-year-old burial. Yep. So what is this? And Tony, well, I mean, it is kind of strange. Oh, very much so. They end up with a fire. That same night that the uh, woman goes off and meets the priest, there's a fire in in her her hotel room. And it's burning behind the bed. There's all this fire and all the papers are being burned. And yep. That, that all her research stuff is being burned. Her laptop is destroyed. Everything. Everything. Yeah. And so obviously she did it or she's a target. And of course, yeah. I think we're pretty sure she's a target because, you know, we find out quickly she's a journalist who was investigating there. Yeah. They go to talk to her husband. Yeah. And we find out that she often, you know, traveled, uh, traveled based, uh, traveled to do her work as she had to, you know, get stories. And, but also, and this is why, you know, the finger gets pointed at her for a little while. She's suffering from severe depression. She had postpartum depression and it has only been, now I'm going, holy shit, that's a long time lasting postpartum depression. To last years? Yeah, it is. Because her daughter, the baby in the family. Is like five now. Is like five and I'm going. And she's only recently gone back to work. 
yeah, and you guys didn't do okay. Never mind. Ignore that. <laughs> um, yes, but let's just say the postpartum depression didn't go away. It led to further and deeper depression, and it can happen. Yeah. Um, but this is the 2000s. You so. really feel like she could have gotten therapy or drugs for that, but. But anyway, they finally, she's gone back to work and the way she works, as her husband explains it. Um, and then something happens she, the, because they know he's not telling them something. There's something weird. Yeah. You know, and then Tony sits down with his look. It may be inconsequential and it might not matter. It's right? entirely possible that whatever you have doesn't mean anything, but there's obviously something you're not telling us. Yeah. So, you know, and then her husband talks about this priest who came to their house. Yeah. And how very creepy he found it. He found it that the priest came to the house. Yeah. Now, I can't figure out whether the whether his wife was there or what did the priest come to talk to his wife? Yeah. The priest came to talk to his wife. And he and saw the priest and just wife. found it suspicious for whatever reason. Just had a bad vibe about it. Yeah. And then the wife went up to, yeah. Okay. And then Go, the wife went up to where the priest was. Yeah. Yeah. Where the priest was. Mm -hmm. right, so that leads Tony go, okay, so there's something going on here. Yeah. And no, it's, uh, it's all very logical this week. We move from one thing to the next pretty clearly. Yeah. And while he's investigating, right, uh, yeah. they find another body. Yep. Which has, again, an, a second body buried underneath it. And what's very strange is that the uh the bodies the two bodies they found the first time we we didn't mention it turns out to be this couple who yeah. uh was a interracial couple and they had to everyone thought they had run away together because the white girl's unbelievably violent and racist father you know wouldn't approve of them being together so everyone had assumed they had just run away together but uh we also find out that like the kid's car was found like uh burned out in a parking lot. And I'm like, I would be more someone killed them if I found the car burned out in a yeah, parking I'm, lot. That's that yeah, okay. That's one of those little things like I'm going, their car was burned in a parking lot. Okay. And it didn't dawn on anybody this might be a problem. Yeah, well, I mean I hate to say it, but uh I think British cops are just as unlikely to not want to do their jobs as American cops. <laughs> And it's easier to say, oh, they probably just ran away than actually investigate a crime, which, you know, the cops aren't very fond of actually doing. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> nasty, nasty. It is nasty, but it's based on fact. I mean, come on. Less than 50% of murders are ever solved. And so a non-insignificant amount of the ones that are quote unquote solved are them framing people. So don't tell me <laughs> that cops like to investigate crimes. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that's just America. I do, obviously I don't know the stats in England, but I'm saying, I'm saying maybe British cops are just as lazy and corrupt as American cops. Who can well, say? Well, it does happen because I will tell you, you know, like I, th this is dealt with, with by McDermott with Tony and Carol later on. Yep. In the books, but not, uh, not, not just, it's not, it's not germane to what we're talking about today. No, not at all. Okay, except that I did find it weird. What do you mean their car was burned out? And yeah, you, you did. You thought they had just run away? 
uh, it seems to me like that's enough reason to have more of a investigation. People yeah. who are running away together helps if they have a car. <laughs> Just generally, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, so yes, they found that out and they found the new victim, right? And again, buried under a corpse, uh, buried under another corpse. And this is where it gets really interesting because this is when Tony has, again, once he has more than one piece of information, yeah. he can start noticing something, which is that both of the bodies, uh, the two bodies, the two graves and the woman who looked like who wasn't buried, the woman who was stabbed while walking her dog. That's the one that started the episode. Yeah. It looked like she had been dragged into a new position. And he yeah. realizes that all of them were facing north. Yeah. And he's and like, that has to mean something he yeah. just right off the top of well, his Well, especially head. because, as he points out, uh, all graves at this time 500 years ago were built with the head facing west. Yeah. As a as part of their religious sacrament, right? It was, it was a ceremonial element of it that like, that is the way to face towards heaven is to face to the west. I guess because that's where the sun goes down. I don't know, but <laughs> I'd have to assume that's the origin of it yes, on some that's, level. That's the origin. Think okay. of the think of it. Think of the sun rising in the east and the so sun starting and starting in the east and ending. Okay, yeah, that actually does make perfect sense now that I say it. Uh, but anyway, and but these new bodies, meaning that the person who dug them up dug them up from facing west and buried them facing north. And facing north is what you would do if you were burying a body that you didn't want to get to heaven, that you wanted to make sure stayed in limbo forever. Well, yes, that's an assumption that they were buried facing west and now she's facing them north. Exactly. That's but an assumption. It is an assumption, but it is the assumption Tony makes. Yeah, that they've been dug up and that now they're facing north. And, and quite logically, but I, but I mean, I think he would, uh, what Tony's logic is that like, you don't accidentally, his feeling is you don't accidentally put three bodies all pointing in the same direction. Yeah. Or right? north, like this strange thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so he then decides that he's got to do some more research. Yep. Ah, uh, we love you, Tony. And that's when he goes and he finds out where the line's drawn. And, uh, like, the old parish lines and things. They're like, what What did the town look like 500 years ago? And what he discovers is all of the bodies were, bu were buried just outside the line demarcating where the church's land was. Yes. So these were people, these people were pointedly buried outside of consecrated ground. Again... It's clearly judgment, punishment going after these people. You know, yeah, this is, yeah. this, this is a, a sacrifice. This is a, right. This is a religious oh, no. condemnation. Some kind of a, well, yes. I mean, all suicides are not allowed to be. That's true. Are not allowed to be buried, for example, on consecrated, consecrated ground. ground. Right. Yeah. Exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so. You know, and in case it, you're wondering why that is, it's because uh, you can't repent a suicide by its very nature. So yes. your sin is stuck forever. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That's what. And you will be in purgatory forever. Yep. Yikes. In those days. In those days. In those days, that was the rule. But purgatory and limbo are gone now, so don't worry about that. They, <laughs> they have been deleted from the canon. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I shouldn't make you laugh like that. They've been erased from canon. Uh, 
And like, we use that now for like comic book and movie terms, but that's actually the original use of canon. So I am using it correctly. It's not just a joke. <laughs> that is literally what happened. Uh, but anyway. Anyway, it's. And now, but yes. Uh, but then, so we see the killer, right? Mm-hmm. Who we now identify as a woman sitting in a church. Yeah, and, we don't know she's the killer. Yeah, oh, but we can assume. We can assume. Well, yeah, at the beginning, because they decide to go to the church that is that some of them have gone to. Yeah. Because they look into the religious backgrounds. And then they find out. Also, well, anyway, they go to the church. The priest they want to talk to is on is on, on sabbatical. Yeah. So just retreat. A retreat, yes. It's like a two week retreat. Mm-hmm. So he goes into a monastery because we do see him walking to the monastery. We don't know what's happening, but he's walking to the this monastery and he goes inside this monastery. Yep. Right. And um, so he's there and they talk to the girl and she says, so he's on retreat. He won't be back for a couple of weeks. And um, then they walk out. They think nothing of it. Talking with this girl. Now, she does look creepy. Creepy as hell. Yeah. You know, I mean, anyway, so then Tony decides now we haven't seen her having any of her visions yet. This is our first glimpse of her. Yeah. And uh, but Tony decides he's got to go do some research. And then he comes up with um, this guy. He's he tricks Carol into coming to the museum to meet <laughs> the guy because he knows she's not going to want to listen to him. Yep. And they start talking witches. <laughs> I know the witches that were burned back then. You know, uh, and, yeah, uh, that was pretty delightful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's explained well. You know, like, like, and it's the whole thing. Well, you know, there isn't really anything. Well, you know, and then they have to go and see the priest. Yep. Right. They have to go and see the special archival priest. And, and he's so funny. Well, no, we had nothing to do with any of that. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Well, you know, you see, here's the problem is that they were, of course, all Catholic at that point in time. Yep. You so know? the Anglicans aren't taking credit for this no, stuff. The Anglicans, you know. But he said, you know, uh, <laughs> and then he comes up and he starts talking. Well, there were the Norwich witches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's there. like, we've got no clear history of it. But it is yeah. notable that one of them, uh, <laughs> that uh, the two were executed, like there were two witches and one was executed and then... There's no real record of it, but there's a legend that if one returns later, like a witch will be uh, consumed by flame. Like yeah, we- well, and what's interesting is what he says, and they say, well, why aren't there church records of this? And he says, well, no, those were civil cases. Yep. That the the church, church didn't execute people. Towns executed people for being witches. The church didn't. No, the church didn't. So, of course, they're not going to record it because it's not something they did. Yeah. But, but so you have to find the civil records. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, and, and yes, those are all jury trials and they're a matter for the people. The people decide whether somebody's a witch or not. <laughs> and then that takes Tony into the, the idea of heresy as opposed to sort of a different type of religious mania that, that yeah. would be something evil 
truly evil. Yeah, not punishing, not so much punishing evil as they would be, uh, you know, treating people badly for, sorry, condemning people for heresy against. And before we get there, we do have to mention one thing that we skipped over because it's not relevant to the plot, but it is relevant weirdly for next week. Uh, they bring in, it turns out that the guy who runs the hotel had just increased the insurance on the hotel. And so Carol's like, did you burn your own hotel, uh, down for the insurance payment? And he's like, I just started renovations on my hotel. Why would I burn it down? Which is actually a pretty good question. Yeah. Uh, but he, this man has, is so stressed out by talking to the cops that he has a heart attack. Yeah. And he dies in the police station. And of course, Carol's in a little bit of trouble for obvious reasons. Well, Carol is a little brutal sometimes. She won't take Tony's advice. Nope. No, she won't. Yeah. And And it's interesting because uh, the lawyer, uh, the lawyer for the guy, we get actually get a lawyer gets a bunch of dialogue and his essentially is like, uh, you know, very, very pissed at Carol for how she just got his client killed. Yeah. I think he has every right to be. Yeah. That, that she had no, no, no evidence whatsoever. Nothing like that. No reason to suspect him. Yeah. Except for there was, except for, yeah. Except for the fact that there was a monet, there was a possible financial motive. That was her only evidence whatsoever. And that's not really evidence. It's just a lead. And so, yeah, I mean, plus, and, and the minute he's, you know, I mean, but you know, she, she tends to, um, decide something and wants to follow it through and doesn't really think about the consequences. No, this needed more investigation before you started this accusing this man. Yep. Under pressure from her boss and stuff. Oh yeah. There have been a bunch of murders because two people were killed in the hotel fire. Yeah. And consequently. And so her thought is this guy was originally planning on doing the renovations, but, uh, when they started finding corpses in the yard, he's like, nobody's going to, he's logically thinking nobody's going to want to stay in a hotel with corpses in the yard. So I better burn the place instead is her operating theory. And I'm like, that's a terrible operating theory. Not only is that a terrible op- operating theory, it's not true. No. Like, in fact, it might just attract more people. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is a historic thing. Like <laughs> the historic bodies are one thing. The fact that it had the morbid connection to a murder is another thing. Like that would actually attract people to that hotel. I mean, the only thing that I, the only thing in Carol's favor, but she doesn't bring it up, and I don't think she thought of it, yeah. is that he's going to have to redo his plans if he wants to take advantage of the site. Yes. Right. Um, after they finished with it, he can either sort of, well, then again, you could build over it and then start having the ghosts of these people. <laughs> I know, right? There are very, there are very good ways to profit off of this that Carol's uh, just not uh, thinking of. Well, Carol is, Carol is a vertical thinker most of the time. I think that's true. It's Tony that is it, it, going out of the box. Thinking out of the box and managing to push her to think out of the box. Mm-hmm. And um, that is absolutely their relationship. Mm-hmm. 
No, and, it is it is linear thinking. And her boss chides her that like she was maybe going to get uh, detective chief inspector this year, but you know now people are getting killed in cut like having heart attacks in custody. So you better find the answer to this. Yeah, quick. you better find out who actually did this before this gets any worse for you. So yeah, uh, we've we've even put a clock on Carol's involvement, and it's going to get real bad if she can't come up with something fast. And then, but so when do they find out about the first killing? Oh, that's oh, right. Here. Yes, the priest tells them. Yeah, because the priest tells them. They they talk to a diff a different priest or, or this priest. Who's back from, I guess, back from retreat. Mm -hmm. And they talk to him and he talks about the first, this, this other strange killing, uh, where they, and they burned his child. Yep. Afterwards. Dead. And, you know, his child was burned in a, a house fire, I guess. And it meanwhile, we see the, uh, we get a scene where we see the woman. Uh, the, who we will soon identify as the killer, the creepy woman from the uh, from the church, having uh, the a pre the priest walk up to her and give her a book of matches, and we're like, uh oh, and then the oh my god, and then uh, we cut away to the reporter's husband and kids who are all you know quite freaked out about the wife and mother dying, yeah. and we see that their house is full of smoke. And so they've just found out about the kids being in danger. So, you know, Kevin and um, Paula have been sent over to check on them. And they get there just in time because the house is engulfed in flames. Yeah. Like, they literally get there just in time. And, you know, Kevin's managed to pull one of the kids out and the father carries the other kid out. But it it was really close. So they decide they have to be put into protective custody. And once again, uh, Kevin gets the job of living in the house with the people. Yep. <laughs> happened to him twice now. Well, yes, but that's part of his punishment for being yes. such a episode. One. Back in the start of the show, you're right. Yeah, he still, he still gets the bad jobs. He still gets yeah. the bad jobs, even though it's more than a year later. Yeah, so, you know, but... So Tony is figuring, okay, so this is purification. Yep. You can make the connection that, okay, the sins of the, the parents uh, fall on the children. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have to uh, purify the children as well. That's yep. what fire is, fire. This is why they call it the darkness of light. But fire mm -hmm. is um, purification. And so this person is probably somehow or another thinking she's saving the children they don't know it's a she yet mm -hmm. and then we get those creepy pictures uh like of her going and that's where you see her lying down among these flowers these white flowers yep which she imagines that she is in a giant you know old like thousand year old church hall having all sorts of people anointing her yes and 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 it it is it is fascinating because now I guess I got to the the priest thing earlier on. Yeah. Early they talked to a, another this the priest who then explains about how the abbey. They start talking about this abbey that was in the center of town that Tony has gotten the map for, mm -hmm. and he said yes they were a Roman Catholic order but they split into two. 
over the issue of Joan of Arc. And whether or not she was actually divinely inspired. Or a heretic. Yep. And uh, the ones that, uh, so in the same way, and they find out that the people from the church that kept the faith of St. Joan had left. yet left and had their own way of executing heretics, which was by killing them with a sword rather than burning them the way yeah. the other side was dealing with heretics and witches. Yeah. And, and I mean, th this was the part that thought St. Joan was a messenger of God. Yeah. Whereas the other, the other Catholics just believed that accepted the verdict of the court mm -hmm. in France, of course, in Burgundy. And those of you who like reading plays, go read St. Joan, or if you get a chance to watch a couple of the movies, there's one with Ingrid Bergman called jo Joan of Arc or St. Joan. And yep. I don't know that I particularly like it. <laughs> uh, but, um, but it is instructional. Uh, yes, but I think reading the uh, reading the play St. Joan. Yeah, it's a much better experience. It, by Bernard Shaw, of yeah. all things, yeah. uh, is a much better experience to understand sort of the the ideas that are going, the politics that are involved in all of this. And she was definitely deemed to be a heretic, not by the people, but by the court. Yep. And, and the British, of course, <laughs> predominated mm -hmm. because um, they were winning and she was, they were, and then when yep. she came on, they were losing. Yep. So they finally caught her and made her a martyr. So there were a few people who still considered her to be a visionary of God. She doesn't become St. Joan for quite a while. Yeah. Um, but again, that, the question of whether she was a prophet and whether she was getting messages from the Lord was very much an open question for debate at the time. Yeah. And so these people that they are, you know, and then, you know, it's sort of Carol. Well, what does this matter? They can't be still. Well, uh, <laughs> well, and I mean, I, I don't even think Tony uh, says it, but it's like, uh, it doesn't matter if this church still exists. It matters if someone believes it exists. Yes. And even if these people, well, and there could be a, a small group of people, right? Well, now that St. Joan has been rehabilitated, you know, it's yeah. not an issue anymore. She was rehabilitated relatively quickly. So mm -hmm. that's not the issue. But the issue is um, she... And that's where it gets weird when she starts to have her visions, because you see this, the priest yeah. that gave her the matches is the one who's, and I'm just trying to, to trying to get my head around, that, was he part of this? So is this a group of, is, are there a group of small? Because that's what I was beginning to think when yeah. he went to the monastery, like for his retreat, that this was a group of not Re it wasn't retreat. This is a a, small a meeting of the cult. A meeting of this small cult that's involved in this because she has them around her, and it's that priest. Yep. And you can easily believe that this great hall that it's all happening in could yeah. be inside the monastery we saw him going to. Like it's all very well staged, and I mean, yeah, spoiler know, alert: it's all her delusion, but it's oh, staged yeah, to make you be really. Well, really question the situation. It's it's very very strange, 
you know, because he's, it's him and you see the sword coming down eventually. And, um, well, when the sword starts actually floating down, you have to realize, oh, okay, this is her delusion. Yeah. Well, it was always her delusion. Like, like I think that was pretty, pretty clear clear that somehow or another she was having a psychotic episode about all of this. But why is this particular? It's this particular priest, because, of course, we now come to the final killing. Uh, but before we get there, before we get to the final killing, it's worth mentioning that there has been a subplot running through the whole episode that a co-worker of Tony's has had has died unexpectedly. And his wife, who is another co-worker of Tony's, oh, like just keeps looking to Tony for uh, advice and reassurance and, and reassurance and uh Tony is, you know, so busy, so bad with people and so busy with uh, this case. He keeps, you know, not talking to her and they finally have a conversation and it becomes one of those scenes where she says something to Tony and it just makes him figure it out. That always happens to him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of just a nice window into Tony's life and it's going to be important next week. So I just thought it was worth mentioning today. Yeah, because Dan watched the wrong. I accidentally watched the uh, next episode too. So <laughs> there you huh. go. Anyway, um, but yeah, I it's you know there's just this, and and Tony comes up with these ideas, and mm-hmm. of course there's, you know, when they're finally, but he he, but the other priest gets killed. The priest gets yeah. killed, and in a crucial scene, not- the priest comes back from his like week away. Yeah. And he's back in the thing and she's there in the place looking at him. And then uh she follows him out, except uh like they're walking together, except we find out that that is another one of her uh that is another one of her delusions. And in fact, there is no like he has no idea any of this is going on. She has just deluded herself into thinking that they are involved in something together. And that reaches its peak when the priest answers the door. And the phantom priest that exists only in her head tells her to cleanse the priest. Yeah. And we're like, damn, this just got weird. This just got weird. Yeah. And we're still not understanding, I guess, that the children are critically important. To that. Because they have found the wife and... Yeah. You know, and as he says, he says, Tony, as Tony says, just search right along that, uh, just search right along that boundary line I've drawn for you. And because she did it with all the other victims, she will definitely have buried the wife, Mike, the journalist, whose body they had not found this whole time. We didn't mention. Uh, yes, they, she will definitely be buried right in, right outside the line, you know, just outside the grace of God, the way the other ones facing north. And they're right about that, of course. Yeah. Except this time she didn't have another body to uh to, to toss in there top. as well. Yeah, she is she is out of old bodies of old heretics that the secret order murdered. She has yeah. tragically run out of those. Jeez. I know, I know. Then they finally figure out that the kids must be the focus of this. Right? And she's not gonna left Yeah, she's not gonna left leave this work undone. And so she has been stalking the police. And knows where the kids are hiding. Yeah. Oh. So once again, uh, Kevin gets stuck in a place without a murderer attacks. Oh, poor Kevin. Uh, but yeah, so there's, there's another fire 
And they try to get the kids out of the house, but the son is missing. And the son is missing because he's upstairs in the bathroom where the killer has filled the tub with gasoline and is getting ready to martyr herself and kill the the heretic child at the same time. And there's this wonderful scene where they're waiting outside the house, right? Trying to decide, like, how do we handle this? She's got him as a hostage. Like, how do we negotiate with her? And then Tony shows up and it's like, you can't negotiate with her. She's a religious maniac in the middle of murdering yourself. Just get the kid out of there. It's like, it's like they don't want to take yeah. those kinds of things seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the religious uh, aspect of it. Exactly. You know, I, I'm going, yeah, a lesson to be learned for all who are trying to teach who are trying to change their families yeah. who believe in the great God Trump. Yep. It's like, no, these people, their entire worldview, like their entire sense of self and worldview gets wrapped up in this kind of faith, you know? You know and you can't, and it's not, you don't, you're not, in this case, she is delusional, but he's, you see, this is what bothered me is Tony, Tony is talking about her, that there are two people. And I'm going, and then they start using the term uh, delusional schizophrenia. Yeah. And I'm going, no, not if not if she's two people, then she's not delusionally schiz. Like I accept. No, no. Um, I I think they were using schizophrenia. Yeah. But he says no, she's two different people. Well, I think they're using the term inelegantly because what he's trying to get across is the idea that yeah, in but her head. In her head, I'm just explaining this to people. In her head, there exist two distinct personalities. Her, the the martyr who goes out to kill for faith, and the priest who tells her what to do. And I but but the priest is just a projection. She does not have a relationship with this priest. And this modern set of murders and killing the journalist all came because she saw this woman talking to the priest who she has this, you know, conspiratorial about these strange things about the, the, the priest that she has this mental relationship with. Yes. And that's why she had to kill the reporter. And that's why she had to kill the priest. But yes, yes. and I understand his explanation. Yes. I'm just going... He's not what? using the right terms. Yes. You are so, absolutely right. You know, it, it just, it bothered me. I'm going... But Tony doesn't make those mistakes. No, Tony generally does not make those types of mistakes. Not, and so that is a... You know, you yeah. doesn't differentiate. She's got someone who's talking to her. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, who's telling her. Telling her what to do inside of her head. Yeah. And it's yeah. not the same as having multiple personalities. No, and it's it, it's delusional schizophrenia. Yeah, and it is. It is, it is literally the voice in your head. You know, when you pe- yeah. hear people who have a voice in their head, that is literally what she's going through. And that's different from having two personalities. Now, I mean, if he had said it more obliquely, saying essentially that there are two people inside her head, her and the voice that is telling her to do this, that she is protect and she has projected that onto the priest, the, yeah. exi- the uh, origin of that voice onto the priest, that would have been a clear way of saying it. But I mean, he's right in what he's describing. He's wrong in the terminology he's using. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had no... There's yes, I mean she's definitely it's delusional schizophrenia, yeah. or, you know, with uh, religious overtones as they. Oh want. yeah, 
religious mania always, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Like it's, it's very popular. Uh, and of course the subtext that doesn't get mentioned in all of this is that, you know, it's entirely possible that Joan of Arc had the exact same kind of delusional schizophrenia. that this woman has. And I mean, the best argument for that is uh, the best argument for weirdly, the best argument for uh, her being legit and not being a delusional schizophrenic the way this woman is. You know what the best argument is? Oh, tell me. That kind of delusional schizophrenia doesn't generally start until your late teens. And Joan of Arc was like 12. Well, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just saw the face you made. <laughs> yes, and Daenerys was 12, too. Oh, yeah. You think that's accidental? Come on. She literally gets burned alive at the end of the first book and then becomes the greatest military leader of the thing. All the Joan of Arc stuff has always been there in Daenerys. <laughs> it's just, and There's then. Just other parts of her story, too. Yes. Anyway. And then, yes, falls in love with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's a more complicated story than, you know. Never mind. We won't talk about Game of Thrones. Than the actual. You're right. Uh, but no, hey, hey, hey. House of the Dragon starts next week. So, you know, we oh, might be God. talking about t- Game of Thrones again. House of the Dragon. Oh, or is it two weeks? Next week or two weeks from now. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it almost here. Matter. The end of August. The end yeah. of August. Somewhere. Yeah, anyway, nice. but what happens here? So then you get the quick wrap up, but it is, it is, yeah. I mean, the Joan of Arc story is, is an interesting one in and of itself. Oh yeah. But it's just like Hildegard of Bingen, um, who heard God talking to her. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't, I mean, people in Joan of Arc, even if it is, I mean, she may have reached puberty early. Maybe she was sexually abused when she was very young and therefore puberty Mm. started earlier and therefore, you know, she started. Yeah, it's triggered triggered the schizophrenia earlier. Oh, no, that's entirely possible. It's quite, quite possible. I just thought it was funny to point out. And, you know, it's those headaches, it's the headaches and stuff and the rest of it. And Mm -hmm. Hildegard of Bingen had the same sort of thing. The same cluster Um, of symptoms. But she didn't lead a military. She just wrote liturgies and she wrote mm-hmm. all of this stuff about God. And it was a de- de- it de- okay. Is she a heretic? Isn't she a heretic? And she had um, she had a Benedictine abbot who was in- definitely in her corner and show her theology, her reconstruction of theology, but she wrote music. She, But I mean, it wouldn't surprise me like if the same kind of schizophrenia and these visions by a teenage girl wasn't responsible for the Schofield Bible. The same thing. And you never the, know. the American Christianity and the rapture, because that was all a, like a 15-year-old girl who yeah. came up with the idea of the rapture, or as I call it, Bible fan fiction. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's it's not like there hasn't been lots of that. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I could give you more examples, but we could do a whole podcast on Bible fan. <laughs> I know. And surprising <laughs> um, amount of which has made it into actual religious practice. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, and it is interesting that the form that this takes in this, this child, right? Yeah. It's um, 
you know, we didn't talk about how they, they track her down and the rest of it. But oh, yeah. I mean, well, Tony does the wonderful speech that you would see. It's just a better version of what you would see as a speech on Criminal Minds, where he's yeah. got everybody gathered together and he's like, okay, well, this is religious mania and this is schizophrenia, meaning uh, the first murder from the first murder that we found out about that guy whose kid was then murdered was 10 years ago. We don't have anything earlier than that. So that has to be the first murder. Um, schizophrenics trigger in their late teens or early twenties. So she's going to be somewhere between like 17 and 25 when she did the first murder, meaning she's late twenties to mid thirties now. Mm-hmm. And someone this crazy, crazy enough to do this will be publicly known to be crazy. Yeah. Like there's no way you can hide this kind of insanity. So she will have had connections with the mental health like system. system. Like there's no way. And she must live in the area because she's intimately familiar with the area. So it's like find women that age, histories of, um, histories of hospitalization and that. And then they just go from building to building looking okay. for all of the women until they find a place where even looking through the window, right? You can see. <laughs> Yep. You can see like all of the crosses inside and they're like, okay. And they go in and she's got a, you know, um, a shrine to St. Joan. Right. And they're like, okay, this is her. And she's obsessed with the kids. So she's going to take another run at the kids. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about then. But yes, we didn't mention how he uses, uh, just again, the profiling stuff. Yeah. To figure it out. And I think that's really cool because that is how, that is, you know, one of the ways in which profiling can be incredibly useful, which is figuring out these kinds of details, like using this information to, what's the right word here, uh, to like lower your list of suspects. Yeah. You know, because, uh, it, well, it's like I go back to the, um, the, the famous case of the, the vampire, you know, the guy who thought his blood was drying out, being dried out by space Nazis. So he had to drink blood. Richard Chase. Richard Chase, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And how the, the the old thing is how John Douglas likes to dine out on saying that, um, you know, it's like he'll, he won't be, uh, you know, it's like he'll be disheveled and all of it. He'll be disheveled and unclean and blah, 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 blah. And he'll be a young man and he'll be disheveled and unclean. And uh, he's a schizophrenic off his meds to have done something this monstrous. And he was right all about all that. But it's like, well, that's great if you can get a list of every single person in the entire area who is a schizophrenic and then just go meet them one by one. Because, yeah. spoiler alert, all schizophrenics off their meds stop bathing. That's just a thing they all do as a general rule. And what Cro- Richard Chase is not, you know, the profile, but the fact that, like, he walked up to somebody he knew in a parking lot and started talking about God. Yeah. And she called the cops. Yeah. You know, and in the same way, this way, like Tony can accurately predict, right, what her behavior is. And of course, the first step is not to take credit for discovering her, but to say, okay, cops, just go talk to everybody and see if anybody seems weird to you. You know? Yeah, no, and and it is, I mean, and they do narrow down the neighborhood, but it was literally door to door. Knocking, well, and that's what I like to see. And the biggest, and the Tony. What I love the biggest leap, right? Is actually the biggest leap is actually like, uh, was it a man or a woman? And he's just like, I gotta say, I don't see a man becoming obsessed with Joan of Arc. 
because this is someone who sees themselves as Joan of Arc, and I just don't <laughs> think a man's going to do that. And that's that's his entire justification for cutting their search list in half. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, it, it absolutely makes sense, but it's just you kind of love to see it, you know? And this time he was right. This time he was right. He gets stuff wrong from time to time, and he owns up to it. But this time he was right. It was a woman. But yeah, like, it's an interesting episode because it goes into, like, I think it is an... Like you say, it is inelegantly described, but I think it's a good presentation of religious mania. Oh yeah, it it is it, in in its worst forms. Yeah, and and religious mania. I I mean, in some ways, in some ways, that was how the church managed to control. I mm-hmm. think some of some of the people. I mean, is it is it not better to have people? With religious mania in a monastery or in a convent yeah. than it is in Bedlam in a mental institution. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, that's, I mean, you're not wrong. Just have them in a, put the people who are obsessed with God anyway in the monastery illuminating manuscripts, right? <laughs> you know. It's, no, a, good, it's a good use of their time. Yeah. And, they can't uh, function. Well, if they can't, and then if they're doing... You know, I mean, it because the mania doesn't have to yeah. be this kind of murderous mania. Of course not. And, For the vast majority of people, I think it isn't. Yeah, and it isn't the delusional schizophrenia, but either. But you know, and disillusional. You know, and that's the only, the only sort of small. Yeah. I mean, the, the tragedy here it. is yeah. that there actually was this rogue. Like the the thing that made her become this is the fact that like the strange coincidence that there actually was this strange rogue sect of Christianity in her town. So when she started, uh, you know, having religious mania, she started researching the town's history, and it's like, why why is God speaking to me? And then she found yeah. out about the Joan of Arc people, and she realized that, and so she created a yeah. narrative in which this must be why God has seeked uh, me out. I'm the new Joan of Arc. Yes. And as they, and it's tragic because she does burn herself alive. Because as Tony says, we can't possibly know. Like, there's no reason to look for a motive because whatever sin these people committed to get murdered by her only makes sense in her own head. And if, like, it's a, it's useless to try and figure out the motive because she is insane in this very specific way. All we can do is catch her and ask her why she did it. And because we'll never course, be able like, to figure it out. Like Joan of Arc. She was she burned to escape. Yep. And I think she'd be happy that that's the way she went out. Yes. She would be happy to go out. And it, it does rhyme and, you know, go back to the, uh, the death of the previous, like the, the legend of the two witches of the town. Yeah. <laughs> that one of them would be engulfed in a ball of flame. And well, okay. Oh, okay. So they were witches and they were yeah. heretics. Turns out. Yeah, uh, turns out. But anyway, that's that's reading a little more. Into no, it's reading a lot into it. It's just a fun that, that little Tony, note that, Tony that she does, does die the way. Um, yeah, it just, it's just fun that she dies the way that the uh, priest predicted. Yeah. Well, the historian. But yes, the historian the slash priest. said that this was the fable that came along. That yeah, with the story of the dead When the witches are unburied, yeah. one of them then, will die in flames. Yep. So, it's, and I mean, she, it's a good episode. It, it really is yeah. a good episode. It's oh, super no, interesting. I, I don't have a complaint about the episode. It was just that one little place where it was kind of uh, a little 
confusing and but oh, yeah. that's just oh no and it's just the way it's presented because they're they're going so far out of their way to put you inside of her head and it ends up actually because uh, they haven't gone this far with it in any previous episodes we oh. get a lot of the killer's pov sequences but we've never actually been inside really i don't think the killer's head seeing the deranged way they see the world before yeah, and what happens is, is we actually do when she kills the priest. Yeah, we do hear the voice telling. Oh no, her. not just the voice. We see the priest standing next to her, telling her to do it. Yes, that's right. Yeah, like we we full on are inside her delusion in that scene, and that's where it gets really confusing. There's two priests here. What's what's happening exactly? Well, yeah, I mean, and why she picked that priest, and why nobody picked up on this religious delusion previously is well i think people did prig uh i think people did pick up on the religious delusion but it's like as long as she was happy to just sit there in the back pew imagining her relationship with this priest she didn't actually do any damage it's only that the stressor of the, the reporter you know arriving and have going off and having and these mysterious secret chats with the priest that made her freak out and the body's being discovered. And the body's being discovered. Yes. Huh. Yeah. And it made it the, it made her think that the reporter was going to uncover their secret sect and destroy everything. And that was the stressor that, you know, ticked this all off. It's a, I mean, it's a good episode. It really is. Yeah. No, it's a good episode. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff in this one. I was yeah, very yeah. impressed with it. And, uh, I gotta say, like, they handled it very respectfully. And one thing I'll mention. It's so much less gross than like any other episode of Wire in the Blood so far. Well, yes. Like it's it's just strange. Like Wire in the Blood is frequently a very disgusting show. And this one really like does nobody gets murdered on screen. Like the reporter runs off. And I mean, she gets murdered that night, but we don't see it. We see her body and it's not horribly mutilated. We don't see any of the burned bodies. Like we don't see the deaths of people in the past. Like for an episode of Wire in the Blood, this is like the least bloody, least awful episode of Wire in the Blood we've ever had. For sure. Yeah. Like I think that's 100% true. But yeah, it's like really good episode. And I think next week's episode, which I also walked, is even better. But... <laughs> That is something we can discuss next week yes. because I accidentally jumped ahead. And my apologies again for that. Yes. Well, I will watch it next Friday. <laughs> there we go. All right. Uh, but for now, but for now, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this in some sort of an app or podcatcher, Drop us a line there to rate and review the show. That's how other people find it. We're going to see you back here next week with more Wire in the Blood. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.